them mightily for your purposes at this time. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Carol. It's always good to be here. And can I say again, which I probably say every time I come, how grateful we and all the folk in India are for your ongoing support for the school there. Um, it makes a really significant difference. And just a few months ago, Ree, John and Alison and I were in India. We saw the fruit of your generosity and it changes lives. And I know sometimes with all the pressures that we face in terms of finance and cost of living, it is a pressure to give and most churches, charities are feeling that pinch. But the fact you've so regularly supported um, has transformed lives. So thank you for that. Now, what we're going to do today is a bit different. You know, Jesus said in, in uh, Matthew 4 that we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from God's mouth. And as children of God, what I think we want to um, know is how do we hear and connect with God's voice? And probably in this room there's a whole variety. Some of us who've been around forever uh, will remember the charismatic movement and where, where prophecy was encouraged and released. And prophecy is when you bring the word of God to somebody, and it was generally in a spoken way. But if you read through scripture, God can speak his word to us in lots of ways. It can be in dreams, it can be in visions, it can be just seeing creation, it can be in reading scripture. But what Jesus acknowledged in his difficult 40 days wilderness experience was that he needed God's word to sustain him. And I often think of Caleb, you may be familiar with this, but Caleb, um, as a young man, he was sent out to spy out the promised land. And something there just captured him. The thought of it, the possibility, the potential, and the hope for it. But then with all the other children of Israel, they wandered around the wilderness for 40 years. And during that time, he must have thought, was it real? Did it really happen? Was I imagining it? And he would have faced those sort of questions, but also all his generation, his contemporaries, certainly his um, parents, etc., he lost that generation. And 40 years later, he actually entered the Promised Land. And when he went there, and just imagine, he'd been living for something that he thought he would never realise. And I think there's some here, and probably you've been holding on to something, and you thought it would never happen. But then he said, um, as he sees the Promised Land that God had uh, shown him earlier, he said, 45 years ago, you said this, and your word has sustained me. And what we want to do today is to release God's word to each person. And in order to do this, accepting there are different ways of seeing and responding to God's word. Ray and I um, have had the privilege of getting to know John and Alison really well. Um, John and Alison run a charity called Mercy in Action, which you, if you're ever anywhere and you see a Mercy in Action charity shop, uh, it's funds a lot of the work they do in the Philippines, a lot of the um, food banks, the halfway houses that they run here, and it's a great charity, and sadly there's not time to let them talk fully about that. But what has been encouraging to us is that they have reawakened in us a sense of the whole um, awareness of God's presence and God's word. You see, my experience was a bit... Um, 
and, and again, there might be one or two who, who can relate to this, the charismatic movement. <coughs> what that meant was that there was a new understanding and awareness and release of God's Spirit that transformed people's lives. And for some of us, we were in churches that were very wary of the Holy Spirit and, uh, and didn't cope with the newness of it. But for some of us, we embraced the fact that God is spirit and that God is at work. And with that came a whole lot of things. It came some faith for um, healings. It came with some faith to see people set free, that there was a spiritual dimension that we'd almost ignored. And then, uh, certainly for me, I saw some excesses and abuses and some wacky things. And people... Uh, would talk about things and I thought, I'm not on their planet and they're not on my planet. Uh, and what tends to happen is we go on a pendulum swing and the answer to abuse is not non-use, but it's discovering right use. But I think for, for some of us, we went to the other extreme because again, um, and some of you will remember this, there was a lot of talk about the spirit of the area and in the 80s, people came and said, there's a spirit over England, and at this Bible week, we crushed it and destroyed it, and nothing happened. You know, so th there was that, uh, what is real in it? And one thing that knowing John and Alison has done is reawakened something in us. Uh, there is a spirit dimension that is so vital. And that spirit dimension is a context, is an environment where the word of God can be released. And so we've had the joy of working with them in um, a few situations here, but in Sri Lanka, in India. And it's been good just to remind ourselves that God is spirit and he wants to release his word through his spirit. And he will do it in a lot of ways. And one of the interesting things, which sounds weird and wacky, uh, is John sees angels. Now, I've met people before who've seen angels, and again, I haven't been on their planet, and sometimes they've told me to impress me how spiritual they are. But John's a mate of mine, and he's not spiritual. <laughs> 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 uh, but what happens, as John sees things, it releases God's word. And we've been amazed at personally and with other people we know, how that has released God's word. So what the four of us are going to do is uh, just be here to pray for people. And again, if it's something you're not used to, uh, please, those of you who know me, I hope you trust me enough to know I wouldn't release anything here that I didn't feel this is from God. And those who don't know me and don't trust me, Dave Halls. <laughs> <laughs> so it might be for some a new or a fresh expression of receiving God's word. Whenever God brings his word, sometimes it's just for encouragement, uh, which is great, but sometimes it's very strategic. And if anything comes today that is of that nature, you have to weigh it. And Paul says that very clearly. He says we can all prophesy for edification, you know, to build people up, to cheer people up, to comfort people. But he said that when the word of the prophet comes, weigh it. Because there is a word that will sometimes indicate direction or a change of strategy 
So if I was to say, this is the Lord, you are to go to Hong Kong tomorrow, you've got to weigh that. It might be confirming something God's already said, or it might be, um, I don't relate to that. We were once in a situation where uh, someone prophesied to a friend of ours and said, your name will be known throughout the world. And he was a bit thrown by this, and, and we talked about it, because it wasn't likely. So I said, change your name to Coca-Cola, and <laughs> prophecy will be... <laughs> but if there's anything that is directional, it does need to be weighed. And you are here in a pastoral context where there are people who know you, love you, and are walking with you. So that's a context where anything that is said that either you're uncertain about or you think the pressures and demands are, are, are a bit are overwhelming, process it. And there might be some word that just says, God is with you. And today, that might be what you need to hear. And that doesn't need to be greatly weighed. But as I said, anything more than that... Um, we need to weigh. So I'm going to ask John and Alison and Ray to come up here. Can I introduce Chris and Esther, who are friends of John and Alison? Chris has recently moved back to Chippenham, and uh, Esther's been in Chippenham for? In Bath. In Bath. All oh, right. <laughs> uh, and Esther's not from Chippenham, so, <laughs> so I'm not sure what on earth she's doing here, really. <laughs> but, but, uh, Esther has been in Chippenham for two hours, <laughs> which makes her a local. <laughs> but thanks, anyway. Right, uh, uh, Ray, John, and Alison. I do realise that I've been here many times without Ray. Yes, you'd like to introduce her a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Ray, I've got to introduce you to Roy and Linda because they've never met you. <laughs> <laughs> I've told her all about you, Roy. Yeah, yeah. Nice to meet you. So before we start to just try and sense what God is saying, has anybody got any questions about what I'm, about what I've said, or how it works out? Um, yeah, or as it goes along, do chip in because I know the first time that we embrace this sort of. Um, openness to the spirit it can be daunting we don't always understand everything that's going on so please don't hesitate or even if we're praying for others just grab me and say what, what's all this about because um because yeah the first time i met john um we were in a warehouse in bath and um uh, it was lovely to meet john he would come to see their warehouse and see some of the work they were doing in the charity shop and Alison had to go out and she said, oh, John, before John shows you round, you'll be saved. <laughs> and I said, what? <laughs> <laughs> and he started to, to talk to me. Now, I'd been ill at that time for a month, couple of years. And, and I think some of you guys prayed for me. So thank you very, very much. And, um, and he said, uh, you're going to travel again. And the doctor that had assessed me met no flaring with my lungs. And uh, John said, you are, he said a number of things, but he said, you're going to travel again. And I thought, oh, are you? Mm -hmm. 
And then we did. We went back to India this year for the first time for seven years. Yeah. With John and Alistair, actually, mm -hmm. which was wonderful mm -hmm. how it had occurred. So I said that as well, that you'd be coming with us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, thanks for praying for me. You can hear. He didn't mention Derry Hill in the travelling. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Right. Let's just ask God to, if you're a bit uncertain, or if, uh, let's just ask the Prince of Peace to come in and rule and reign, because where he reigns, there's peace. And often in the context of peace, our spirits are open to hear him in a fresh way. Lord, we thank you that you are the Prince of Peace, yes. that you're a good, good God, and that you do not withhold good things from your children. And as we're here, Lord, and as we uh, sit in your presence, we acknowledge we can't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And I want to pray, Lord, that any word that is spoken will reveal to us the word of God, Jesus. That that word will be made flesh. So open our hearts, Lord, and we pray that you will just move amongst us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What I should say as well, one of the real outreaches from here is the open Sorry. blue bus, um, which goes into some of the media areas around. I'm going to tell you, Dave, John used to be a London bus driver. So John Alston, do you want to say anything to kick us off? And yeah. Well, just before you, what I was just thinking is I used to be terrified as a professor, well, of prophetic people, because it seemed... Use the mic. Yeah. Sorry. It seemed um, where we were that often prophets would... It was just quite scary. Sorry, Chris, because you were one of them, but you weren't scary. But I often felt exposed and hurting at the end when some people were prophesying, and I was worried that all my secrets would be made public. And we've all got things we'd rather nobody else knew about us, wouldn't haven't we? Um, and I just want to say it's safe. It isn't that anybody needs to worry that they're going to be exposed this morning at all. There is nothing in it at all that is like that. If it's not encouraging us and building us up and comforting us, it's not from God anyway. So I just wanted mm. to say that in case, I think especially sometimes the teens can feel like that, <gasps> oh no, what are they going to say that mum and dad don't know already? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, just wanted to add that. And I'll just say as well, that clock is not right, because I just had a shock. So <laughs> I, if you're sitting there thinking, oh gosh, <laughs> uh, it is... 40 minutes past. And what I didn't say was that John saw angels around me which was amazing, and it's been a strength to me since, because I in my case, it was intercessory angels pray for prayer, and that has been such a strength to me. I like to walk a lot, 
So when I walk around the fields around near our house, I'm conscious of these angels that are with me and I can lean on them or call on them or pray with, with their strength. Hopefully, that's, that's how I see it. Thanks, John. It's a strange thing, isn't it, seeing angels? And it, it started 20 years ago. Uh, I was in a church meeting and I, I just did a little act of obedience. I wrote something down that I, I felt I should write down. And then I stood up and I could see angels. And I hated it. I was so scared. It's the most common thing that angels say when, when people see them in the Bible is, don't be afraid. At what point some people fall over, <laughs> right? And I was like that for seven years. And then <coughs> I, I received peace one day and I wasn't afraid of angels anymore. And so since then I've, I've sort of tried to, I understand that angels are messengers and they come and there's a lot of angels. I'm going to tell you, while I was sitting there, the Holy Spirit started to show me lots of angels here and then he said to me, there's 800 angels here now and they're outside the building but mostly they're with you and they're messengers, they bring messages from God. And those messengers are helpful to us, I believe. So, a strange thing. Absolutely crazy in my 50s. I'm now 73. And I speak about angels. So, let me tell you what I see this morning with some of you. Because the, the gentleman who led the